Takur ki jai. Prem Shikaho Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Doita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaur Bhaktarinda ki jai. Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopina Shadvakunda Radha Kundagiti Govardhan ki jai. Vrindavan Dhamma ki jai. Tura Dhamma ki jai. Navadvip Mayapur Dhamma ki jai. Jagannath Puri Dhamma ki jai. Gangamai Jamuna Devi ki jai. Bhakti Devi ki jai. Tulsi Maharani ki jai. Samaveta Bhaktarinda ki jai. Gaur Premananda. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Shiva Prabhupada, Nama Om Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prasaya, Bhutale, Sri Mate, Bhakti Vedanta Swami, Niti Namane. Namaste Saraswati Deve, Gauravani Vacharane, Nirvasesa Sunyavadi, Paskatyade Satarane. Bande Ham Shri Guru Shri Yuta Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raganatam Vitam Sam Sajiva Sadvoitam Sadvadutam Paditana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Deva Radha Krishna Padana Sahaganatha Panchakapa Jivistra Kipa Sindhivita Patitanam Pavanavyo Vaishnavavyo Namo Namaha Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya First, 2016 at Krishna House in Gainesville, Florida. And we're going to be looking at a, a topic today with reference to four verses. And the four verses are Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 7, Text 4 through 7. But we're not just going to start off with reading um, the verse, and I don't think we'll be able to read through all of the purports. Um, I would strongly suggest that you peruse all four of these purports. Uh, a little later on today, because I just—I mean, if we did that, that would take until eight thirty, which would be much better than listening to me. But um, I think Kalakand wanted me to tie this together in theme. So, what do we spend most of our time doing mentally in this world? Most of our time doing mentally. So we're generally doing something called hankering and lamenting. So chiti kanchiti. We're anticipating what's going to happen in the future, and we're hoping that it will turn out well. Right? We're, we're projecting into the future. I remember um, I had a, a miscarriage many years ago, and it was, it was a, a lot of grief, and the midwife said to me, you're not really lamenting this child that you never knew, but you're lamenting how you had projected this child into your future. And I thought, yes, that's exactly right. You start thinking, well, this is going to happen, and this is, you know, I'm going to go here, and I'm going to get this and get this, I'm going to graduate, and this and this is going to happen, I'm going to marry this person, this is, or even just today. Today I'm going to do this at 10 o'clock, and do this at 12 o'clock, and this is what's going to happen, and I'm going to have this experience, and we're pinning our hopes in the future. The other thing we do is we lament for the past. We look at the past, oh, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I make this decision? 
my husband always used to tell me how his father had bought a $40,000 insurance policy for his sons, my husband's college, without realizing it only paid for his son's college if the father died. <laughs> you know, he was thinking that he was paying in advance for his son's college, and he got there and said, sorry, you know, you just lost that $40,000. And he said his father was always lamenting, if only I had that $40,000 now, what better thing could I have done with that? You know, so this lamenting, if only I hadn't said that thing, done that thing, you know, married that person, not married that person, <laughs> you know, had the child, not had the child, taken this job, gone to that school, not gone to that school, whatever. If only I had done this or not done that how life would have turned out differently, how today I would have what I wanted. And another thing we do is we're in illusion about the present. We become so absorbed in past and future that we don't really even experience the present. There's a, a large movement now, especially in the West, called mindfulness. Yes, I'm sure you've all heard of this. So to be aware of the present. In fact, I was speaking with one of my God sisters yesterday, and she said, Bhakti Vinotakur said it all. And he said, forget the past that sleeps and ne'er the future dream at all, but bear with times that are with thee in progress thee shall call. By the way, he totally plagiarized that from an English poet. <laughs> uh, but this concept of living fully in the present, but even in the, because that's really all there is, isn't it? By the way, of the three, what's the most illusory, past, present, or future? Future. Future. There's never really the future, is there? Right? There's only the present. Oh, the past has some existence, but there's really only the present. And in the spiritual world, there's only present. present. What's the first creation in the material world? Time. Time. And what's fascinating, and I would refer you to two articles by Maturesh and Back to Godhead, both of which you can access online at krishna.com, where he writes about time. And how the first thing Mahavishnu does when he creates is he manifests time. And time manifests as the Lord's what? As his glance, which is also has a personality. The personality of the Lord's glance is? Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva, yes. Lord Shiva. And Lord Shiva glances, or this glance of Lord Shiva awakens Maya, the Maya Shakti which then starts differentiating into what? All the different elements? Or? Not quite yet. Modes. It is the Pradhan, yes. The three modes of material nature, and then from those modes of material nature starts differentiating into what we call the elements, uh, which is not quite the same as the periodic table of the elements. But the elements we're talking about, space, gases, matter in a gaseous form, radiant energy, matter in a liquid form, and matter in a solid form. So, but all of this is started by time, and Maturesh points out that according to the Bhagavatam, any of you, any of you ever studied the philosophy of science? Any of you ever studied philosophy of science? Have you ever studied that in university? It's a, a lot of the study of who am I, what's the relationship between me and sense objects and my sense perception and so forth. So the Bhagavatam explains this wonderfully in the Sankhya philosophy. In the Sankhya philosophy, it talks about how we have a particular sense organ and a particular kind of sense for each of these elements. I have a way I can sense solid matter, a way I can sense liquid matter, a way I can sense gaseous matter, a way I can sense space, but I have no way of sensing time. time. 
because time is manifested before any of the states of matter, before any of the modes of nature, before any of the senses. It exists, therefore, completely outside of sense perception or even mental perception. And the empiric scientists haven't a clue as to what time is or how to measure it. And I really refer you again to Maturish's article on this topic. Uh, people who have out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, pretty much universally report that time becomes absent once they're out of the body. That, that time is quite different. And of course, Einstein talked about how time is experienced very differently in different parts of the universe, which is also what the Bhagavatam says. Right? A moment of our time is differently experienced for the bug, and a year of our time is differently experienced for these celestials. So because time is the first element of material creation, we have a lot of illusion even about the present. We tend in the present to be absorbed in past and future, both of which are simply manifestations of illusion, and we tend to lose sight of the present and to be unaware of the present. So these, these aspects of illusion, hankering for the future, lamenting about the past and the present being an illusion, illusion about the fact that I'm in the present, putting my consciousness in past and future, illusion about who I am, illusion about how I'm going to be happy, is our basic state of conditioned life. And therefore, we are always more or less in a state of illusion, illusion. and suffering. suffering and anxiety. I remember when I first started, you know, when I first was living in the ashram, chanting 16 rounds, following the principles, waking up early in the morning, one of the first things I noticed was that people in general were in a constant state of anxiety. That was one of the first things that I picked up. Wow, everyone is in a constant state, more or less, of anxiety. People in the mode of goodness, obviously, much less. People in the mode of ignorance, much more. It's, it's not an offer-on switch. But depending on where you are in the modes, you experience more or less anxiety. And Krishna says, when we have anxiety, we cannot have what? Peace. Peace is the opposite of anxiety. He says, without peace, you cannot have? Happiness. Happiness. So this problem we have with time has a lot to do with whether or not we're ever happy. This anxiety we have, absorption in past and future, illusion about the present, removes our ability to be peaceful and therefore removes our ability to be happy. Now, those in Satvagun tend to be much more mindful of being in the present and have much less anxiety. So they have, they have something that approaches happiness, that touches happiness. Those in the mode of passion and ignorance are very focused on a fruit. I plant a tree to get the fruit. And that is what? Element of time. Future. So they're working, 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 fruit. Working, 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 fruit. Working, 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 fruit. But you always get the fruit? No. No. Sometimes the birds eat it, the bugs eat it. Sometimes you get the fruit, you don't like it. Right? Somebody else steals it. And, and then you're working, working, working for another fruit. So that means people in the mode of passion, ignorance, they're spending most of their time hankering and brief, brief moments of maybe enjoying if they get a nice fruit. And as soon as they get the nice fruit, they're hankering for another one. So we think when we were kids, we said, you know, once I get to be 12, I'll be happy. Right? Remember that? 
But my first school I went, the oldest kids were seven. I said, once I get to be seven, I'll be happy. You know, then I went to, then as soon as I was seven, you know, I transferred to another school. And then, okay, once I get to be 12, I'll be happy. Once I go to high school, I'll be happy. When I graduate high school, I'll be happy. When I get admitted to college, I'll be happy. When I graduate college, I'll be happy. When I get a job, I'll be happy. When I get married, I'll be happy. When I get out of this marriage, I'll be happy. You know, and it just keeps on, it just keeps on going like that. And then you get to the end of life and you say, oh boy, if only I had that $40,000 back again, right? If only I could do it over again, I would make other decisions and then I would be happy. And Krishna says, okay, we'll do that. <laughs> so that, that's really what happens. <laughs> and if one is never, this is very much the mode of passion ignorance. Of course, mode of, the difference, differences between the mode of passion ignorance and the mode of passion, you're willing to wait much longer for the fruit. In the mode of passion, you're willing to, you know, go to high school, college, medical school, internship, residency, move to another country, do the residency again. Seriously, right? Specialize, and then medical school. Then my own private practice, and I'm 40 years old before I'm making the money I want and doing what I want. So a mode of passion will let you have that, you know, from age 12 to 40, waiting for the fruit that you want. Mode of ignorance, you want the fruit much faster. If it doesn't come faster, you, you get discouraged. And the other big difference is mode of passion. You're willing to work for the fruit in pious ways. You're not going to cheat and in mode of ignorance, you don't really care whether you cheat or not. All you care about is the fruit now. How you got it is irrelevant. So those are the main differences between passion and ignorance in terms of attachment to fruit in the mode of goodness. Your, more, your fruit is your equanimity. Your fruit is your peacefulness. Your fruit is your mindfulness. And that's something that you try to have in the present. In bhakti... Just like what to do. In, I'll try to talk much closer to the microphone. In bhakti, what is the fruit that we want? Love of God. Love of God. And when do you get it? When do you try to get that love of God? Right now. Right now. So in bhakti, the fruit we want is something that we can access right now. Are you in control of the material fruit? No, a little bit. You can influence it, but you're not in control. Therefore, the anxiety. Right? Even in the mode of goodness, are you fully in control of your equilibrium and your peacefulness? No, because Krishna says the modes are? Always competing. Always competing and vying for supremacy. So even someone who's very much in goodness is going to sometimes be attacked by ignorance and passion. And we have lots of stories in the Bhagavatam to illustrate this fact. You can go three years without getting angry, and then all of a sudden you get furious. Uh, where did that come from? I thought I had conquered it. Or these yogis, you know, they give up all sexual lust and then they hear some woman's jewelry and then everything's finished for a while. So, but in bhakti, in bhakti, is that connection with Krishna under our control at every moment? Oh, yes. yes, yes. In fact, that's the only thing that we, the soul, can control my free will and my choosing to use my free will in this moment to connect with Krishna. That's something I can control. And if I'm doing that to the best of my ability at this moment, then I feel not only peace and not only happiness, but I feel happiness beyond the capacity of the material body and mind. So we're going to go through these four verses. 
And we're going to look at some keys to how to achieve this state. So if we can just, um, why don't we just say this together, okay? Um, let's just say it, not sing it. Bhakti yogena manasi samya pranite male apasyat purusham purnam mayachatarapashrayam. Let's go to the translation. Thus he fixed his mind, perfectly engaging it by linking it in devotional service, bhakti-yoga, without any tinge of materialism, and thus he saw the absolute personality of Godhead, along with his external energy, which was under his full control. We can look a little bit at the purport. Again, we don't really have time to read the purport. Let's just look at the beginning, where it says, perfect vision is possible, only by the I can't that much, much only by the linking process of devotional service. One can perfectly realize the absolute truth personality of Godhead only by the process of devotional service, and one can enter into the kingdom of God by such perfect knowledge. So this verse is talking, we'll go back just to the translation. This verse is speaking about a realized experience. It's not talking about theoretical knowledge. It's not talking about knowing some formula that I know the philosophy of Krishna consciousness and I can repeat it. It's talking about what Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Prachakshavakamam Dharmam. And then he goes, Susukam Kartamam. One becomes happy. Factually experiencing the Lord and experiencing the Lord along with what here? In devotional service, so there's a mood of experiencing the Lord, and the Lord along with? His energy. His energy. What energy? Can we go back to the verse? Just a chant. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The translation, not the Sanskrit. My, my bad. It go, I'll scroll up a little bit. Yeah, a little more so we get the whole. Yes. What energy? External. External energy. Just to experiencing the Lord in devotional service along with his external energy. Now, how would that give us this equanimity and happiness? Some thoughts. Yes. You're going to have to speak like practically swallowing the mic so we can hear you over the machines. Because ultimately, uh, material energy is also spiritual. Oh, I love that. Ultimately, material energy is also spiritual. Wow. You no longer see Maya as an enemy. Very nice. The neophyte devotees generally are in a war with Maya, which is probably necessary. But gradually you see that Maya is Vaishnavi. She's the sister of Vishnu. Some other thoughts about why we have three things. Seeing the Lord, seeing the external energy, and having a mood of devotional service. Any other thoughts as to why? Yes, how we come to move. In the Isha Upanishad, it says only one who can see the process of knowledge and nesting side by side can permanently transcend illusion. Excellent, excellent. This is this what Kalakantu said is also true for each of us. We need to see our bhakti and our nonsense side by side. If all we see is how devoted we are, then we become proud. If all we see is how fallen we are, we become depressed. 
We need to see both aspects. We need to see how I am pure soul. I have some genuine desire to serve the Lord. And also I'm covered with all this gunk. I said that overseas somewhere. People came up to me and said, I mean, but what is gunk? <laughs> we want to see both. I mean, if we think about who are our good friends, I like to say, you know, a really good friend, they see the good things about you, but they don't think you're a saint, and they see the bad things about you, and they don't think you're a demon. And they, they have a balanced view of you. So we need to have a balanced view of ourselves. It's, it's very important. And we also need to see both. We need to see both. In psychology, when they talk about uh, personality styles, there's a a term, the away from and the toward personality. So the toward personality sees the positive in everything. And the away from person sees the negative in everything. So the toward person encourages themselves and others by, you know, wow, you did a great job, that was fantastic. And the away from person encourages themselves and others by saying, oh, you really messed up that, you gotta do better next time, right? Now, if you're, you might think, well, we should all be toward persons. But first of all, we are who we are. And second of all, if you're completely a toward person, you do crazy things because you never see the downside of anything. You know, people who become drug addicts or do bungee jumping off cliffs and things like that tend to be highly toward persons. Yeah, yeah, he's another good example. They just never see the downside. They never see the negative side. And if you're completely away from, you don't get out of bed. Right? So it's good to have some kind of a balance. Now, each of us have our own personality somewhere on this continuum that we tend to be more one or the other. Does the Shastra have both? Yes, very much so. And are there whole sections of the Shastra just about the spiritual world and ecstatic devotional service? And yes? Are there whole sections of the Shastra about the material world and Maya and boom? Yes? There's a whole chapter on the hellish planets. Then there's a chapter on the kingdom of God. Right? Yes? So both are there in the Shastra. Both should be there in our awareness. Both should be there in our preaching. By the way, people who are strongly toward will tend to preach more about Krishna in the spiritual world. People who are strongly away from will tend to preach more about Maya and how terrible Maya is. Also depends on how advanced you are. Neophytes tend to. We get these articles in Back to Godhead, you know, 90% the material world is terrible. And then the last sentence is, but Krishna consciousness is wonderful. <laughs> but we, we need to see Krishna and Maya side by side. Because we don't want to mistake one for the other. There are many people who mistake things in Maya for Krishna. We had a nice talk with somebody the other day. Who was it? Who was talking to me about Prajumna? Was that you? Okay. So Prajumna is Krishna's son. And he is also who? What is his, who else is he besides? What's his other part of his identity? Cupid. He's Kamadev, but he's Krishna's son. And when the full-grown Prajumna, he had been kidnapped as a baby, so there was even kidnapping then in Krishna's day, although I don't think that people got an amber alert on their mobiles. But, you know, Prajumna was, was kidnapped, and then he came back as a full-grown adult. Right? And I don't think they did a DNA testing. Then either. 
Right? So he comes back as a full-grown adult with his wife, Ranti. And uh, everyone except for Krishna and his actual biological mother, Rukmini. There were many, Krishna had many wives, and there, there were all these stepmothers of Prajumna. They all thought Prajumna was Krishna. And they felt some romantic attraction, briefly, to Prajumna because they thought he was Krishna, although he was their stepson. Just imagine. And then, oh, no, he's not Krishna. And again, they felt motherly towards him. Rukmini only felt motherly towards him. So one can easily mix up Krishna and Kamadev, Cupid, easily. Uh, there's so many groups who think, well, we're going to use all kinds of, you know, lustful activities and spiritual service. Yes? 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 And people mistake their material lust for something spiritual. Happens all the time. People also look at Krishna and think that he's Maya. Oh, Krishna is just some licentious, you know, womanizer. Or he's just a thief, or he's just a liar, you know. And they, they see Krishna from a material perspective. So just seeing Krishna isn't enough. And so many demons saw Krishna. If only I could see God, that would take care of all my problems. Uh, no, you have to see both God and Maya, and you have to see God in a mood of? Devotion. Of devotion. So the story we like to tell here is when Lord Chaitanya was exhibiting all of his opulences, so he was giving benedictions. And the devotee said, what about Mukunda? You haven't given him any benedictions. He says, oh, I don't want to see Mukunda because he consorts with the impersonalists. And Mukunda said, will I ever see him? And Lord Chaitanya said, yes, after 10 million verse. And Mukunda started dancing, at which point Lord Chaitanya immediately said, all right, bring him in. And then Mukunda said to Lord Chaitanya, this is in the Chaitanya Bhagavad, he said, seeing you is not the point. He said, so many demons saw you. He said, the point is service and love. Have you ever met a person that, you know, you, before you got to know them, you didn't like them and you avoided them and then you got to know them and you thought, wow, why did I ever avoid this person? They were a wonderful person. Until you get to know someone, until you serve them, until you have some affection for them, you may not be able to understand them. So the demons see Krishna and they think, ah, I'm going to kill him. So it's not just seeing Krishna and Maya, but seeing Krishna and Maya with devotion. When we see Krishna and Maya with devotion, we lose our illusions about past, present, and future. And we're able to have this connection with Krishna at every moment which gives us, again, this peace and this happiness. Okay, let's go on to text 5. Again, we can just say the Sanskrit together. I warned him this was going to be a challenge with the computer. Okay, we can just say this together. Yaya samo hito jiva atmanam trigunatmakam and the English together. Due to this external energy, the living entity, although transcendental to the three modes of material nature, thinks of himself as a material product and thus undergoes the reactions of material miseries. So this verse, and this is again extensive purport, explains why we are suffering. 
And just uh, a few things I'll read from the purport. Uh, the root cause of suffering, just to just stay on the verse. The root cause of suffering by the materialistic living beings is pointed out with remedial measures. All this is mentioned in this particular verse. The living being is by constitution transcendental to material engagement, but he is now imprisoned by the external energy, and therefore he thinks himself one of the material products. This means that the present perverted way of thinking, feeling, and willing under material conditions is not natural, but he has his normal way of thinking, feeling, and willing. The living being in his original state is not without thinking, feeling, and willing power. It's a point that Shiva Prabhupada makes again and 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 again. That our original state, we have a form, we have a mind, we are personal. We are personal. And I'm going to put in a little philosophical plug here. If we are persons, if we are spiritual persons, then we must have a relationship with with Krishna. Because Krishna says in the second canto, anything seen without relation to me has no reality. Know it to be my illusory energy, that reflection which appears to be in darkness. So if the living being has a form, thinking, feeling, willing, personality, not in relation with Krishna in its original state, then that personality would have to be in illusion. And then how, therefore, how could that personality in illusion be the soul's original state? Does that make sense to everybody? Is that a good logical explanation? Therefore, we must be originally, if we are originally a person, if personality is not imposed upon us, just one of my God sisters were arguing with me the other day that personality is either imposed upon us by material or spiritual energy. And in that sense, we are always a person. But Prabhupada is emphasizing over and over and over again, and if you look at just Bhagavad Gita verses, the soul is not changeable. The soul is eternally the same. The soul is eternally an individual. That individuality must be in relationship to Krishna. Now whether that exists prior to our engagement in illusion in a dormant or active state could be debated. But the fact is that it must exist, that we are individual entities. I brought up the other day about how Brahma was bewildered because no two jivas could be the same, yes? So this morning I was just listening to those Bhagavatam, just circumstantially it happened to be at that place, listening to those Bhagavatam verses, and it says specifically, Brahma was bewildered because he was trying to discern the differences between the, expand, the Krishna's expansions as the boys and calves and the original ones. He was trying to figure out what's the differences, what's the differences, which one is real and which one is fake, because they couldn't both be real. So here, Vyasadeva is saying that our miseries are caused due to simply wrong identifications. Prabhupada says, Vyasadeva saw both, I can write this very well, both the diseased living being and the cause of the disease. Both the diseased living being and the cause of the disease. And Prabhupada writes in this purport that we all have, let's see if I can find it quickly. Very long purport. Well, this is really nice. So I'll, I'll just read this from here and go back to that. 
Prabhupada also says that we have a transcendental relation with the Lord, which is my point about having a beginningless personality. All of us have a transcendental relation with the Lord. This is what Vyasadeva saw. So he's saying now the Lord, the illusory energy, and the jiva, that all of us have a transcendental relationship with the Lord. In fact, it's that transcendental relation that defines who we are. Because personality is always in relation to something. And Prabhupada says we want to revive that natural love and affection which we have for the Lord. So this is the key, again, to being out of this illusion of past, present, and future. To always have affection for the Lord in the present. If everything I'm doing is with affection for Krishna at this moment, or at least I'm trying to do that, then I am connected now and I am achieving happiness now. Even if I'm immature, even if I'm covered, if according to my present level of realization, I try to act with affection for Krishna now. My dear Lord, how can I speak? How can I act? How can I think? How can I behave? How can I be so that you will smile? Isn't that what we feel when we feel affection? Right? If I feel affection for you, then don't I just want you to be happy? Isn't that what we mean? Yes? Am I correct? What do we mean by affection? I'm happy at your happiness. So if we revive that transcendental affection, it's already there. It's already who we are. And in the beginning, we want to revive it in a general way. And as we work on that, eventually it starts to bud in a specific way. And our original personality starts to manifest. Oh, I, oh, oh, oh I just had an affectionate feeling for Krishna as my child or as my master. It, it starts to, oh, oh, that's who I am. Which brings us, of course, even more into that having our fruit as in this now and now and now and now and now. I am just trying to make Krishna smile. Now it's very interesting that Prabhupada also writes here. Of course I won't find it again, right? Of course I can't find it. Just what to say. Oh my. Anyway, it's a nice purport. Read it. <laughs> oh, here it is. Here it is. Thank you. Thank you, Prabhupada. Okay. Thank you. Somehow it jumped back to the other page. I must have touched it. And Prabhupada says, The conditioned souls are reclaimed by the Lord in both ways, by the process of punishment by the external energy of the Lord and by himself as a spiritual master within and without. Within the heart of every living being, the Lord himself as a super soul becomes a spiritual master, and from without he becomes a spiritual master in the shape of scriptures, saints, and the initiator spiritual master. So how are we getting help? We're getting help from guru, sadhus, and shastra. And we're getting help from the Lord in the heart. Don't discount the Lord in the heart. If something really feels wrong to you, you know, check it out. When the, you know, the New Agers who say, go with your heart. There's value to that. As long as you check it out externally, you know, if your heart says jump off the roof, 
And you might want to say, well, is that what Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra say? You understand? But both. If you think that Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra say something, and when you do what you think Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra says, your heart starts burning and churning and you're all full of anxiety, you probably haven't understood it correctly. You want it, you have to have both. You have to have both. If you're actually following Guru and Sadhu and Shastra, right? Rajavidya, Rajaguyam, Pavitram, Idam, Uttamam, Pratyaksha, Vagamam, Dharmam, Susukam, Kartam, Avyam. Pavitram, you should feel purified. Dharma, it should feel right. It should feel authentic. Pratyaksha, you should be experiencing it. Susukam, you should feel happy. If you think you're following Guru Sadhu and Shastra and you don't feel purified, it doesn't feel right, you're not experiencing it and you don't feel happy, then you are not understanding Guru Sadhu and Shastra correctly. And if you think, well, I'm feeling purified and happy and realized and by smoking marijuana, then that's also not right. Do you understand? So both within and without, and Krishna says, by the punishment of the external energy. So please do not think... All right, all right, all right. She has a tiger that she's riding on and she has a trident. But please don't think that God is malevolent or even that Dorga is malevolent. Although she has a trident and she's riding on a tiger, it's not that she's taking joy in punishing people, and it's not exactly punishment, although Prabhupada uses the word punishment here. The analogy I like to use is that there was an architect for this building and a builder, and they made walls and doors. They did not make the walls for punishment. That was not their intention. They didn't say, I'm going to put this wall here so that anyone who's foolish enough to try to walk through the wall will get smashed. However, if you try to walk through the wall instead of the door, you will experience that the builder and the architect have punished you. Why did they put the wall over here? So whenever we act out of harmony with the truth, whenever we act out of harmony with the truth, it is like walking into a wall. Whenever we walk in harmony with the truth, it is like walking through a door. And this reaction we get from the wall indicates to us you've gone the wrong way. Yes? Understood? So we have the positive guidance, Guru Sadhu Shastra, the Lord within, and we have the negative guidance that if I walk into walls, it hurts. And I can say, oops, I went the wrong way. Okay, going on to the next verse, verse 6. Everybody together? Are we there? Anarto Pasamam Satchat Bhakti Yoga Mahosade Lokasya Janato Vidvams Chakra Satvat Samitam. Together in English. The material miseries of the living entity which are superfluous to him can be directly mitigated by the linking process of devotional service. But the mass of people do not know this, and therefore the learned Vyasadev and Pala Vedic literature, which is in relation to the supreme truth. So you can just uh, see if you can find it. Okay, this is not that long of a purport. See if you can find it where it says revival of in the purport. Yes, 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 it was up. Scroll up a little bit. Yeah, there we go. Uh, why don't we say this together? 
Okay, let's say this all together. Revival of the dormant affection or love of Godhead does not depend on the mechanical system of hearing and chanting, but it solely and wholly depends on the causeless mercy of the Lord. When the Lord is fully satisfied with the sincere efforts of the devotee, he may bestow him with his loving transcendental service. So how do we link how do we link moment to moment to moment with affection? And Prabhupada's also here talking about dormant affection. Not mechanically. God is a person. He's not a machine. I link with my computer. I push this button. I press this button. I type this thing. And I am linked. But I can't link with any of you like that. Can I? I can't. I give an example all the time. You know, the... The man comes home, he had a fight with his wife in the morning, he comes home, he said, okay, got my checklist, diamond, bracelet, dozen, roses, now you love me. Doesn't work, because she's not a machine. Yes? She's not a machine. She's a person. Some people don't seem to think that about women, but anyway, that's another topic. So God is a person. And because he's a person, it's not that by mechanically hearing and chanting, it's not that, okay, I'm going to learn all these slokas, I'm going to say all these verses, I'm going to chant my mouth, and I'm going to pronounce it perfectly. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. Okay, now you've got to link with me, Lord, because I did it. He's going to look at you and say, you're missing the boat. You've lost the whole thing here. You don't know what this is all about. And Prabhupada says you're being pleased with his attempt, right? When the Lord is satisfied with the sincere efforts. Our grade here, my dear friends, is not for the fruits. Can we control the fruits? No. Our grade here is for the sincere efforts. I'm trying to connect with you, Lord. I'm trying to love you. I'm trying to have affection for you. And I'm doing this by following the process you told me. You told me to chant your names. You told me to read your books. You told me to serve your devotees. So I'm doing all of that because I want to please you. Not because I think that by doing these things I'm going to earn my way to your heart. I'm not trying. I can't obligate you. I cannot. Isn't that awful when people try to obligate us? Doesn't that feel miserable? Right? Well, I did this for you, and I did this for you, and I did this for you. Are we sometimes tempted to say that? You know, this morning I asked, I asked Tarni, I said, hey Tarni, you know, fix the, the drawstring in my skirt there. And she said, what's the magic word? And, I, and, and my mind said, why do I have to say please to her? I do this for her and this for her and this for her and this for her. Why do I have to say please to her? She owes me. And I didn't say that. I just thought, that's a bunch of nonsense, or what? Nobody owes you anything. It's always voluntary. Right? It's always voluntary. It, it is always a please. Someone said to me the other day, it's like I have to beg God. Yup. I chanted your names, I waved the incense, I distributed the book. Do you know how many dishes I washed in Krishna lunch? Oh my God, and I don't even like pot washing. <laughs> and I did that for you, Lord. Where's my ticket? Come on, come on. Say the magic word. Why do I have to say the magic word to you? I washed all the dishes. <laughs> all right, Krishna. Okay, we're going to go on to our last verse. We are running out of time here. Text 7. Ready? 
Yasyam Pai Shri Yamananam Krishna Parama Purushe Bhakti Rutpadite Kumsa Shoka Moha Bayapaha Simply by giving oral sorry Simply by giving oral reception to the state literature, the feeling for loving devotional service to Lord Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, sprouts up at once to extinguish the fire of lamentation, illusion, and fearfulness. So this is our hope. We can say, I have no affection at the present time whatsoever. The only affection I have is for my food and my clothes and my body. I don't have any affection for Krishna. But here we're being told, even if you're hearing somewhat mechanically, just simply by hearing, it'll spark something in you. So this hearing is so important. Regularly hearing, 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 hearing about Krishna, about the devotees, and not hearing gossip and criticism and fault-finding in politics. Think of fault-finding in politics and gossip like Ebola. You know... Put on your hazmat suit around it. If anybody's got the criticism, politics, bug, put on a hazmat suit. Don't go anywhere near it. And hear about Krishna. Hear about the devotees. Hear about the philosophy. And hear, try not to hear mechanically. Try not to hear as a ritual. Try not to hear as a way to stay in Krishna house and get your prasadam and not have to pay for a dorm room. You know, try to really hear with, with meditating on what you hear. I was so exhausted last night and I thought, I've got to read something about Krishna so I can meditate on Krishna. I was so tired. It, it was hard, right? When, it's really, when you're really tired, it's hard to focus the mind and, on what you're reading. And I was reading about Krishna fighting with Momasura. And finally I thought, look, just read three sentences and meditate on them because it was kind of just going out of the mind as soon as it was going in the mind. So to read with meditation, to read trying to evoke some emotion, to hear trying to evoke some emotion, and then we want to offer that emotion, and maybe a little sprout here says a little sprout, maybe a little sprout, maybe a really delicate, delicate, tiny little thing, really, really tiny, you can hardly see it in the ground, but take that and give that at every moment. This moment, this moment, this moment. Don't even have, don't even have the fruit of mentality of oh, I'm going to make great advancement and become an enlightened soul, become pure devotee. Don't even have that fruit. So you don't have the fruit of I'm going to become free of all material miseries and become liberated. And so you don't have the fruit that well I'm going to become one of the senior devotees that they'll give the ghee lamp to me first at least in the Latchua if they don't do it at Christian house. <laughs> The only fruit we want is right now, this moment, am I acting with some affection? And if you notice, you're not stopped. To have some affection for Krishna, am I trying to make Krishna smile? And then we mentioned this the other day. I'm not sure if I mentioned it here or not. That often in this world, I'm interacting with you, but I'm interacting with you because I want to impress him. Did I mention that here? Yeah. Yes? So do everything to impress Krishna. Everything we do should be to impress Krishna. Not in a materialistic way, but to impress him with affection. How we deal with our spouse, how we deal with our parents, how we deal with our children, how we deal with our siblings, how we deal with the annoying person at the government office, whatever. How we deal with the people taking Krishna lunch and the people fixing the electricity. Now, 
How am I dealing with everyone, everything, every place right now so as to make Krishna smile? Can we wait a minute? And that way you will be free. We'll take our picture first. Oh, we'll take a picture. That way, if we work like that, you will forget the past that sleeps and there the future dream at all, but bear with times that are with you and progress we shall fall. I apologize for having to just touch on a few points in the purports, and I do uh, very, very strongly suggest that at some point during the day today, you go to these four verses and sit down, it'll probably take you about 20, 30 minutes, and, and really read the purports and, and meditate on them. And thank you very much.